calling all campers, Leslie Samuel here, your camp director, back again to get you pumped up for something awesome. It's that time again, it's time for Creator Camp 2024. We took everything you loved from last year and stepped it up a notch. Yet we're back and better and man oh man, we're excited to have you join us. Now you may be asking, what's in store for this year's Creator Camp? Well, let me paint a picture for you. Imagine an epic kickoff party where new friendships spark and old ones rekindle. Imagine rubbing shoulders with not just the awesome workshop leaders, but also the amazing Ecamm team. Imagine having interactive, hands-on sessions where industry leaders share insights in fields that you're passionate about. Well, you just imagine Creator Camp 2024. Reconnect with the Ecamm fam, and of course, meals and beverages are all a part of your journey with us. Expect exciting activities and local excursions. What is it gonna be this time? Wine tasting, scavenger hunt, an evening of stargazing? <laughs> I'm not telling, at least not yet. This year's Creator Camp isn't just an event, it's an adventure. The Ecamm fam is taking over Amesbury, Massachusetts again, and trust me, you wanna be right there in the middle of the magic. So pack up your essentials, your laptop, your camera, and of course your energy, and gear up for an unforgettable escapade at Creator Camp 2024. We can't wait to see all your smiling faces back together again. We'll see you at Creator Camp. Let's do this. Flow Riders, and welcome to another edition of The Flow. Now, if you missed last week's episode, it's okay. You can start here, but you're probably going to want to see that too, because these two episodes kind of sort of connect. We're going down a checklist. We also are going to go a little bit out of order because I didn't drink coffee. So there. <laughs> no, we're going in order of priority. Oh, there you go. Man, yeah. good save, good save. <laughs> Here at The Flow and at Ecamm, we tend to over-talk about all of the gear and all of the technology, so we're intentionally skipping over that. We have lots of other videos on that. And by we, do you mean me? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mean you. Everyone wants to talk about the gear. If you want to talk about the gear, we have other videos on that. We're focusing on the kind of the, the fundamentals of getting started in podcasting. And yeah, as Doc said, if you want to pick up those episodes, we have our OG one way back at the very beginning. And then we have last week's, which was updated for this year. And that was a fantastic use of OG. I like it. OG. I love OG. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> Original <why>. checklist. No. <laughs> no, wait, that's the wrong word. OC. Anyway, OC. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, if you guys are like, who the heck are these two people? I'm Doc Rock, community <laughs> manager at Ecamm, because I totally forgot to do that. And we're like, awesome co-host. I'm Katie. I, I'm there like Madonna. I don't need a last name. <laughs> oh, dang. Yes. Dang. I'm, I'm for it. I'm for it. It's just going to forever be Katie. All right, yeah. gang. Let's dive in. We'll get our producer man, Papa Luigi, to pop up the list and let's get it started. While he's doing that, and before we jump right in, if you just found this episode or you didn't take advantage of it last time, you can grab all of our freebies, including this checklist. If you go to ecam 2 ms E-C-A-M-M dot TV slash flow freebies. All one word, flow freebies. So Amazing. yeah, you'll be able to grab this and follow along and make notes and tear it apart and redo it the way you want it, all that stuff. Again, last week we talked a lot about starting a video podcast in 2023. What are the changes? And it was actually pretty timely because although most of our listeners slash viewers slash community are already fully aware of the video podcasting movement. A lot of people haven't made the jump per se. With that, we thought it'd be a good idea to just reconnect. One thing about podcasting or streaming or just content creating in general, I feel like the foundation is on rollerblades. Like it's forever <laughs> moving, right? Yep. You know, normally in business, you make a solid foundation from which you can build an amazing yep. monolith of a business structure and go to town. Podcasting and content creating be like, hold my beer, 
we are going to get on Michael J. Fox's hoverboard and put on a 1.2 gigawatt flux capacitor. Let's go. (laughs) So you got to chase the moving target. (laughs) So yes, we did some moving moving a target adjustments. Okay. English. Exactly. Exactly that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's get into promoting. This is something that it's kind of hard to say this out loud and not feel weird about it, but I think we've done a relatively good job of promoting this podcast. Yep. And I think that has a lot to do with you. (laughs) Uh, You've been (laughs) pretty much on point with it. So I guess before we pop the checklist, when you think of promoting the podcast, especially coming from the cookbook practice before the working for a literary company, what are the first things that come to mind to you? Oh my gosh. That's a really good question. You know, I do interviewing for like, I know, right? right? Doc does interviews for a living. (laughs) (laughs) I think it comes down to starting with what you have and starting with your community. So the similarities between being a published cookbook author and being part of the Ecamm fam is that we have in these spaces had an existing audience, right? For us, it was thinking about what is the content and what is the plan as we were building out this show, as we're building out a a book, for example, what do people want? So it always has to start with that. You have to have the right content for the right audience. And then you need to start with that existing audience. So you need to be in the places where that audience is. And you need to be giving them helpful content in the way that they want it in the places where they are. So we built this show to make it easy to promote this show. So again, like the workflow that we have for the show that we are always updating makes it easy for us to promote the show, right? So we have this structure of having a live audience. That means that anyone that wants to be able to jump on and ask questions and interact and have that level of community is able to do that. So they're helping us to promote, they're sharing their insights and giving us better tips and questions and things to be able to improve the show. And then we have this entire repurposing strategy and process whereby we're able to clip up and grab all of the different content pieces that we need to be able to promote the show in all these different places. We've been really intentional about not doing more than we can handle. So it's a slow process, an iterative process of making all these changes. You know, you may be in the mindset, and I have always been guilty of this. Okay, I'm making a new show. So I need to grab the Twitter handle and the Instagram handle, and I need to open up the YouTube channel, and I need to make a Facebook group, and I need to open up a Discord server, and I need to build all of these spaces. I would encourage you to not do that, to just <laughs> just take a, a pause against that and start with the couple of things that make sense, get really good at those, and then see what else you can add in. So this show doesn't have its own Instagram account. It doesn't have its own YouTube channel. We started with the audience we had, and we have been growing from there. So we had a defined audience. We put the content in front of the defined audience, and we're you know slowly kind of amplifying that voice out across all these other different channels. That's a long-winded answer, but and it was the same it's good. for cookbooks, right? Like, yeah. you don't hire an author to write a cookbook who doesn't have a following, right? A community, a group of people. And so, you know, you expect for that person to write their recipes that are going to excite and delight that audience and to leverage that audience to show up for, you know, kickoff parties and recipe sharing sessions and, and all that kind of stuff that gets people excited about the main thing, right? Excited about the cookbook, excited about the show. Leveraging an audience is really important, but it starts with knowing who your audience is and where they want to play. Our audience is going to be here on YouTube, and maybe they're also on Instagram and watching and consuming Instagram reels or TikTok videos. Maybe they're also in a Facebook group or in a Discord, but maybe they aren't. And we just need to be really intentional about that and only add in things that make sense for us. You know, exactly where I got stuck when you were saying what you were saying is you said we built this city, and I just went, this city. There you go. <laughs> I, I, yeah, didn't, yeah. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Like, you know, my brain just automatically does that. I think you're right. I think it's very important to start with the audience that you already have and, you know, work with the people that are already riding with you. And I think for two reasons, one is they're going to be able to give you the most honest and brutal feedback from the beginning. Oh, and yeah. it's acceptable. You already know them. They know you. 
I feel like that level of communication is already there. And then you also get an opportunity to find out the holes in what you're doing quickly because Mm -hmm. nobody's better to help you with that than the people that you already ride with. I think a lot of people immediately when they start any type of uh, promotion or whatever are forever focused on the new people because everybody wants to grow and you could easily forget about the people that are already rocking with you. So now here's the important thing too, people. If you're starting from scratch, scratch, like you don't have no friends, well, you can hang out with us. We'll, we'll be your friend. We'll be your friends. <laughs> Start with your friends, though. Like, I, this, is, this is something we have said from the absolute beginning, and I hope that you have heard us both say this a lot of times. If you were starting from absolute scratch and you have no audience for your show whatsoever. So, right, for example, so like when I started the VHS Club podcast, right, it was me and my best friend. And we were talking about movies, which we were really excited about. Maybe not all of my family and friends are that excited about. But you know what? I shared about that podcast and about the process and about why I got started doing it and fun tips and things like that on my Facebook page, on my Instagram, on my personal channels. I sent notes to friends and said like, hey, I know you love this movie that we're talking about. If you have time, come by and check out the episode. I reached out to my personal network and maybe not all of them care about 90s movies or really want to be regular listeners, but they know someone who does, or even if they don't care, their liking or answering my questions or engaging with my social posts means that my audience sees it more because there's comments and questions and things on those posts, means their audience has a likelihood of seeing it. And maybe there's someone in their network who really cares. Maybe none of them actually care about the actual content, but they want to know how to podcast. So they want to come by and watch my show a little bit more often. I think sometimes in like the promotion side of things, we get very focused on like, at least I I do on like, we need to do marketing. It needs to be this like, you know, very set, like logical process. And we miss how people actually interact, right? So like, you're more likely to convince your friends to listen to at least one episode of your podcast, and maybe leave a review and that like, and all of that is going to help give you that starting point. And then you can go and run with it there, you know, and do all of the right practices. But don't be afraid to talk about things you're passionate about with your people, with your friends and your family. And that's okay. It's okay if it's only your mom and your partner that are the first couple of people that listen to your show. That's fine. It'll grow from there. Like, it, it's all good. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. You said something that's a little bit powerful. And the reason why is because in traditional school of marketing, <laughs> marketing degree person, promotion is yep. last, right? Yeah. Marketing yep. focuses on increasing the awareness of a product and getting it in front of potential customers. Promotions yep. is the final step in marketing where I'm going to do something very particular to make movement on the marketing that I've already done. Mm-hmm. I believe in this particular situation, especially being a people-focused product, it's completely different from all the stuff that I learned from Mrs. Deke and Mrs. Baker and Mrs. Spencer in my marketing, my three years of droning classes and (laughs) writing papers and doing, I don't think Mm -hmm. any of that stuff that we did back then really fits this. And of course they will beg to differ. There are definitely some things that cross over and all marketing is marketing. Mm -hmm. Marketing is you're presenting solutions to people and hopefully delivering them in a product that they can then use to get solutions to their problems. I think for you in a VHS podcast, you're presenting an escape Mm -hmm. route. And one of the awesome escape routes is going back into our memory, feeling nostalgic, remembering where we were in college or high school at that time and the friends we were with and what was going on Mm -hmm. in society, laughing at what is now considered old or passe or Mm -hmm. cliche or don't touch that with a 10-foot pole and balancing that with what's popping right now with all the progress we've made and the regress that we've recently made. So you Mm -hmm. are providing an amazing escapism channel, which is why like it's the middle of the freaking day for me, but I still got to watch it because it's good. And like last week's episode, One of my top five movies in my list is definitely Usual Suspects. So that was just perfect. So being a sort of people-focused type situation, Diane and I both stole this from Uncle Ray, but 
it's you're providing painkillers or you're providing vitamins. Your yep. show is a little bit of both. Right? Mm-hmm. It's the painkillers of I need an escape from today. Today just got on my nerves. Let me hang out with Katie and Nat because you guys are just Canadians. So you're nice and it's funny and, <laughs> you know, very heartwarming. But then it also is a little bit of a vitamins is because it sort of helps us remember where we've come from and how we've progressed and how things have progressed in general. So it's a good, like, sort of double-ended medicine for the week, right? It's right before mm-hmm. Friday rolls in. So, yeah, it's just perfect all the way around. So this is cool because now we were talking last week at the end of your show about creating some of those avenues for your potential listeners to connect with you, right? Yep. And so last week on this show, we talked about making a de facto 90s movies database, if you will, not Mm -hmm. something deep and elaborate, Airtable and Excel and all this other crap. We're talking about making a page for people to drop in their favorites, and Mm -hmm. then Katie and Nat can use that as a source of videos to go with, but people will be able to build community around these certain things. Because Kimberly and I have been talking online for like the last year, had no idea she was as crazy about usable suspects as I am. (laughs) Yeah, and I... I think it's, uh, maybe this isn't the like textbook correct way to approach this, but I will say that it's worked for the show and it's worked for my show. and It's worked in a number of different places is, you know, again, we started with content we knew was going to be helpful for the audience we were trying to reach. We created a process that was really streamlined and quote unquote simple for us to replicate and keep consistent with. And then we listen every single week. We listened when people say, oh, you know, Someone in the live audience asks a question about podcast promotion, or we're like, oh, okay, we can do a deeper episode about that. Or someone suggests that we can have a certain guest on. It's like, oh, great, you know, we'll follow up on that. You should be listening to, as you start building that audience, listening to the kinds of questions that they have. If you don't have them yet, just Google search it. Google search the terms, then the words that are around your podcast. So if it's this show, it's how do I start a podcast? You know, what do I need to know about podcasting? As you search that, Google will give you other questions people ask, popular questions in that topic, right? There's a ton of other ways to do this, but this is one of the easiest ways to do it. So start creating then short little video clips or little series of carousels or things like that that you can put on different platforms that answer those questions. And you'll find that you don't need to do what you want to do, what I want to do all the time, which is just post the day and time of your show, where to find your show, how to watch your show, everything about my show. If you instead can get into this habit of taking out those answers that you're creating all the time and doing your episodes, taking that out, taking those clips out, those fun things that people care about and putting them in the right spots and putting them in the right spots with the right descriptions and titles is what's going to help you build that audience that goes beyond the word of mouth, right? For this show, we use Descript to be able to grab the transcript, and then we can just flow through the transcript and say like, oh, okay, at minute mark, blah, blah, blah. Doc said this really brilliant thing. I'm going to grab that out as a clip. I can grab that clip with the text, with the transcript, and I can put it in all kinds of different places. I could create just like a text question to ask with the answer to that and a link you know, to that exact clip. There are ways to promote and to reach people that are not the hard sell. And I think the ones that are not the hard sell are a smarter way to approach it. And they come in all different kinds of ways. Rob is saying, for example, which is we talked about a lot last week, but you can use tools like ChatGPT to do things like give me the 10 most popular searches for a marketing executive. Right? I'm telling you what I'm typing in the ChatGPT right now. I said, describe for me a viewer slash listener profile of a person who will watch a video podcast about 90s movies called the VHS Club. This person most likely rented movies from Blockbuster Video or local video store. I was just about to hit enter. So I was typing that in and I would have been done way quicker, but I can't type. (laughs) And then the ideas will start coming. Like, I promise you, like at this point, I'm seeing this question come up as well. Like, how do you do like variations and additional things off of that? As you start thinking through like all of the different aspects of the content that you're sharing, more and more ideas come to you. Like at this point, I have too many ideas for me to be able to actually like implement all of them on a regular basis. For that show, it's like I could ask every single week, what are people's favorite 90s movies and why? I could share trailers of the movies and have people answer whether or not they thought the trailer actually represented 
the actual movie or not, or it was too far off. You see all the time, like, a compilation graphic where it has like a whole bunch of images of VHS boxes of like popular 90s movies and asks people to like, which was your favorite in this group? Or what's your favorite childhood? Like if you can get people talking and thinking about what they love about that topic, it makes it easier to start those conversation pieces. And it makes it easier for you to be, Stephanie Garcia says this all the time, right? Top of mind and tip of tongue. She's absolutely right. Like the goal of promoting is not to get people back to your podcast for that specific episode. It's not to like get them to click the link back over to that episode. It's when they're thinking about 90s movies or video podcasts, they're thinking about us because they've seen all of our content. Maybe they haven't engaged with all of it, but they know like, oh, if I need to ask a question about video podcasting, I'm going to go to Doc. Like I know he has a show all about that. Like I'm going to ask him questions about that. It may take them like four or five steps down the road to actually watch the show or pay attention to it. But we have formed that connection by being out there and by being in those spaces and asking those questions and providing that content, we've connected the dots for them. They say like, oh, you know, we know that Ecamm does podcasting. Why? Because Katie and Doc are talking about podcasting and Ecamm every single week on YouTube and sharing about it, right? Like in the same thing with the movie podcast. We know that Katie and Nat love 90s movies. Why? Because they're always talking about it. We see them (laughs) asking and talking about it all the time. It makes it easier, right? Yes. And so Rob, to what you were saying, So people always say, know your target audience, right? So if you're having a hard time understanding how to figure out who your target audience is, ask Chad. Chad has done this before. So here's what he said. The viewer profile is Jake Robinson. Jake is a mid-30s to early 40s. Jake was born in the mid-1980s, experienced the prime of 90s culture during his childhood and early adolescence making him the perfect viewer for for the VH Club podcast. He actually said the VH Club. Okay. I mean, the VHS Club. (laughs) He was a frequent patron of Blockbuster Video and his local mom and pop video store during that time, picking up the latest releases every Friday night of tradition. He still remembers fondly. This is true. This is where Katie and Kimberly and Matt and Paul and all of us vibrate right there, right? His occupation, IT consultant. He works as an IT consultant, which means he's tech savvy, spends a lot of time online often streaming podcasts (laughs) and YouTube videos in the background while he works. Despite his digital profession, he's a soft spot for analog tech. This is us. This, oh my God, this is reading me. He got the A's wrong. I appreciate you, Chad. But this is basically reading me out loud, right? He has a functioning VHS player, check, with a collection of his favorite 90s movies on, on, uh, on cassette. I only have a couple left, but I do have some. Interested in pop culture and nostalgia, check. Jake is a huge movie buzz, particularly interested in 90 movies because it brings back the memory of his youth. He loves talking about and discussing these movies as well as discussing their impact on pop culture. I said that, Chad. Uh, and this mm-hmm. is a fond nostalgia that comes when reminiscing about this era, particularly the distinctive feeling of popping in a VHS tape into the player while waiting yep. for it to rewind or fast forward. Yes, yep. that, that's, that just gave me some chills. <laughs> uh, or, or the anxiety of waiting for it to pop because it's an old one and you watched it a thousand times, Fifth Element. <laughs> but like, even in just reading that, which is brilliant, and like, everyone should do this practice. Like, if you have a show, any kind of show, whether it's a podcast, it's a live stream, it's a show, any, whatever you're creating, do that. Like, that's free and easy for you to do. Do that step. Go and take a look and see how far off it is from who you imagine your, your you know, audience to be. Because even, even in just hearing that out loud, Doc, you saying that, like, it makes me think, oh, like, he, there is like six other different kinds of marketing promotion that I could do, right? I could do a poll on any one of the social platforms and ask how many VHS videos people have in their house. Um, I could do a giveaway. We could, bu- like, we could buy some VHS movies, knowing that most of my audience probably has a working VHS player. That could be super fun and easy for me to do and do like a fun giveaway. We could even do it live on camera. I worked at Blockbuster, so I could go back through my Blockbuster vault and pull out some fun stories or, you know, video clips or photos of the inside of Blockbuster. We could read out loud some of the last Blockbuster hilarious tweets. Like there's, there's so many things that are tangential to what the actual podcast is about, like doesn't really matter what the podcast is about, but are going to get people in that nostalgia space, which is making them much more likely to A, remember my podcast and B, want to actually check it out or contribute or participate in some way, right? So again, like, and I wouldn't have thought of that had I just been sitting alone in a room, like just trying to think through like, how do I promote my podcast? I had to get into the mind of 
who are the people I'm trying to promote to and where, like what kinds of things do they have and where do they spend their time? It's just a getting yourself into a practice of doing it and Great. and trying to figure out like how you can fit it all in. I, I would challenge everyone that the hardest part of this isn't figuring out the audience or figuring out the things to promote them with like the content. It's trying to be consistent with it. It's trying to figure out like, okay, what is the time block every week that you're going to do that? Or, you know, how do you build all of that out? You're going to have more than enough ideas. It's a matter of trying to figure out how to be consistent with all of them. Correct. And here's another thing that's really, really cool, right? So talk about, you know, going into, one of the things on a checklist is going into marketing or on social media. But I'll say, no, man, you want to network on social media. Guess mm-hmm. where a bunch of Jakes are? A hundred millions of Jakes is on LinkedIn. I literally just described their profile. That's everybody on LinkedIn, right? Yep. A lot of them are also on IG. Guys. Yep. I don't know if you know this about me, but I do a 90s podcast for fun. I know we come here mostly to talk about work, but I do a yep. 90s uh, VHS movies podcast for fun. And we are struggling with what are some of the 90s movies that are legit Romeo and Juliet plot line? If mm-hmm. you have one that comes to mind, please drop it in the chat below. Yeah. They all been there. They all know what that looks People like, right? Love looking smart too. Like it, right? it's not not that I think that they're not smart in answering that, but like there yes. there is something about the rush of being like, oh, I know that one, and being able to yes. spend three seconds to an- to to pop yes. in the comment. Yes, I kid you not. Like it it is you know if you know the answer to something and you feel like you are helping someone, there is something almost like there's a a gut response. Like people just want to be able to do that. So. Right, yeah, you can you can really posit smart. the question. Mm-hmm. What in, in, in not people? I run a podcast, nineties VHS club, and we're stuck on something. What is the best fish out of water story of that mm-hmm. era? You know, a lot of movies in the nineties are based on that. What are your f- best fish out of water movie? For me, it's Pretty in Pink. Tell me what you got. I have to win this bet. I need your help. <laughs> so you're <laughs> yeah, doing a yeah. couple of. You're giving him the chance to put on the cape. People love to put on the cape. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're giving them a chance to show their smarts, like Katie said, and you're giving them the chance to harken back to a better in their head. If you listen to everybody's complaints online, right? Oh, I remember back in the day. Nah, 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 I mean, back in my day, give them the opportunity to go back in their day, right? Yeah, and it works for what you're doing. So yes, people, me and my friends are having an argument. We want to find out what is the best camera under a thousand dollars. Tell me what you got. You know who does this mm-hmm. all the time? And I don't know if he's doing it on purpose or not, but look at posts from Leslie Samuels in he Facebook. He is fantastic He does this. it on a regular basis. And I don't know whether he's doing it on purpose or not, but he does it extremely well. He stirs up some... <laughs> he's the professional pot stir. This is making me realize that I probably owe my dad an apology because for my entire life, he was always telling me that the best thing to ask of people is advice. So like, rather than saying like, I need a job or like, I need blah, blah, blah thing. It's like, I need some advice. Find the people who you know are doing it better than you or who have the thing that you want and ask them for advice. Because people like, it's a low and easy lift. People love to be able to talk about themselves and about sharing, you know, like it's, that's an easy thing to do, right? So that it's a check mark right there. Yeah. You know, the you know why your dad thing. said the that? Same thing. Ask them for advice. Because your dad hung out with engineers and everybody's mm-hmm. an alpha. And so yep. he is dead solid right. Yep. Whenever you're in a career position where everybody's an alpha, the best thing you can do is lower the sword and ask a question. And they just, yeah. oh, that just turns on the lights for everybody in the Yeah, room. make them feel special. Like they, they have the information that you need. Like they, you know, your audience has the information that you need. It's also funny to me that in the course of a week, you spend the majority of your life with three engineers, one physical and two software. Mm-hmm. The <laughs> truth. This is why Katie need a drink. <laughs> nah, engineers are the best. Engineers are oh, the oh, best. Oh, wait, Glenn, Glenn can hear me? I'm sorry, Glenn. <laughs> no, he can't. I'm alone today. <laughs> oh, that's super funny. Okay, we did cover Ask Your People for Reviews. We covered find ways for your people to connect. Katie, we slightly touched on creating intriguing teasers. I believe that question that I just mentioned 
also counts, right? Going out and asking an advice that requires people to dig into their smart bucket also counts as an as a teaser because it will definitely cause people to answer up. Yeah, we probably want to change that one anyway, because I think initially what we had meant in writing this was like teasers and like promo videos and things like that. I would change that to be what you just said. Or once you have three episodes, clips from past episodes that are helpful or fun content, something that's going to get answer someone's question or catch their attention that's not promotional. Like just show the show. <laughs> Show Correct. like the clips of it that make people excited about it. and then write down what that thing is. So like if from this episode, maybe it was like a soundbite that Doc said, I put like a summarized version of the video as the copy above that when I po- post that out. That helps someone solve a problem, puts out there. I don't at all put, you know, listen to the whole episode here. Make sure you come for the show. I'm guilty of doing that. I don't think it's effective. I'm I don't think it's effective super hard either. to do it way less often. They know where to find you. It's in your about us. It's in your bio. It, they can ping you and ask you. They can look it up. That You don't need to waste the time putting that. It makes it look salesy, which bounces people out of there. So like, as someone who's fighting doing this, a recovering promotional geek, don't do it. It's not worth it. Have all that information in your bio. Have it accessible and available where it's findable, but don't put it in your posts. It's not worth it. It really isn't. The more you can talk yourself out of that, the better. Yes. And here's why. Here's why it doesn't work. I am on IG and I spend a lot of time on IG. When I am there, I am looking at clips, enjoying my life and laughing at the stupid stuff that my friends are doing and or saying. Mm -hmm. When I see the promotion for Eden's basketball podcast, I'm in the, hey, Eden's my friend mode, not Eden giving me instructions mode. As much as I adore her, she's literally one of my best friends. We talk all week long, and (laughs) I don't see that as a trigger to leave IG. I'm in my fitness. I'm going to leave IG and go somewhere else to look at something else. It's like standing in the Coke factory going, not that kind people, and going, please come drink Pepsi. It, yeah. you're, you're legit yelling for swim trunks in a fire. Don't do that. But if she was supposed, I'm interested to hear your thought on this, actually. I've been doing this more often. If she had like an Instagram story that was just like an image or something from her show and it said like new episode just dropped or new episode available, whatever the like little fun graphic is. I feel like that would kind of snap people. They may not click through and go over later, but you might make a mental note and say, oh, right, you know, Eden's got a podcast. Her new episode is up. I should, t- I should take a look at that later. Do you think that kind of thing is, is... Yes, in a way. Okay, so guys, today I'm recording this podcast. You guys know I did this basketball call, you know, just like in that kind of passe passing it off. And mm-hmm. I was just sit down. I clicked the mic on and right then and there, I banged my knee into the desk. Oh my God. And like the camera pops on and I'm like, hi guys, welcome to the show. Great. That Mm -hmm. matches what's going on in IG. People doing dumb stuff, people failing, people doing something funny. Or you like, you know, I'm doing this podcast and my guests and I have been talking for like weeks. We're already, I popped the mic on and as soon as it was time for me to call their name, it's written right on the screen. Look, here's a picture of it. I could not remember their name. And so I was like, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, you know what I'm saying? That kind of stuff has intrigued me. I have left a little bit of curiosity on the table. I mm-hmm. now want to go see more. I think that's more effective than going, hi, look at me. I'm Velvet Jones. I want you to come and check out my new podcast. Uh, no, anyway, you guys know Velvet Jones. Mm-hmm. I think it's different. I think that people who just do that irritating stuff doesn't really work, which is why you have totally watched the reel before halfway through you realized it was a commercial, a sponsored post. Because mm-hmm. everybody mm-hmm. got good with this now. It's like, yeah. man, I cannot believe that people are saying this is not a real video game. Look, I'll show you it's a real video game. Look, da da da. And come and check out Mr. Paul Duncan's moderator challenge. That's because. The idea of just, again, screaming in a fire, which is swim shorts, talking about your pool company, it just doesn't work. So mm-hmm. I think there's a way to do it and spark that interest. And people are nosy. So give them a reason to be nosy. It's much yeah. better than, hey, look at me. It just doesn't work anymore. So it's yeah, funny absolutely. because on the list, my next thing was involved the social media influencers. 
I think mm-hmm. it's still true, but there's a different method of this nowadays. Follow my homegirl, Millie. She is is ITS. It's Modern Millie on IG. You can look her up as Modern Millie on YouTube. Follow her and, and look at her conversations about Insta. Like yep. she's on point with that. If you want to share some stuff or generate your following through the old TikTok, you know, follow our friend Kenya Kelly, K-E-E-N-Y-A Kelly. Go check her out. See what she's talking about. These people have figured out how to crack the nut in a manner that's not cheesy. I've watched a bunch mm-hmm. of our friends. These are our friends. People I near and dear my heart. I love them, but they are marketers through and through, and they keep trying to market platforms. And so all of yep. them have asked me for invites to my Blue Sky Social. I ain't give nobody nothing because I don't want my marketing <laughs> friends to come and ruin what is right now a good platform. Yeah. And I'm a marketing person. Like, I went to school for it. Got a whole degree in the whole nine yards. But they would come and F something up big time. <laughs> yeah. I, if, you are, if you're sitting in the chat or listening at home and you're like, I do that. I do that. I do that. I so probably I. will still do that tomorrow. And I will fight 100%. myself on it. I like, again, all of this is an iterative process. It is okay to, you know, post that, realize that that didn't work, learn from it and try something different next time. Equally yeah. okay to post something, see it works really, really well and double down on it. Well, none of this is hard and fast too, right, Kates? Yeah. And sometimes you'll post one of those, which totally doesn't match the platform. And for whatever reason, it catches and it does really well. But just understand when you do it the second time, it might not work because that's not how the platform works. So, yeah, none of this is hard, fast rules. And you're right. You do have to constantly reiterate. I have a whole new shirt coming out about that. I'll I'll let you know when I drop it. (laughs) (laughs) The magic is in the iterations, people. And all of this stuff, Mm -hmm. the magic is in the iterative process. Like, you've got to just do things. And does it seem like you're throwing spaghetti at the wall? Yes. Mm -hmm. You're doing exactly that. This is an experiment. This is like people that got on a boat and said, hey, let's go over here and see what we find. We are Columbus and whatever that weird stuff he did. (laughs) Yeah. I guess the only exception I would say to that is it is an iterative process. It's always going to be that. But again, like if you can build some kind of workflow as simple or as complicated as you want to make it and work your workflow week after week or whatever the frequency of your show is and then make changes within that that's how you're going to keep consistent because there's always going to be something that's going to come up there's always going to be xyz thing that's going to happen if there's something for you to fall back on that you know you can do consistently like that's what you want to start with and then add on to that or make changes to that or make improvements to that but you need the base workflow so you, you can't just throw everything at the wall you have to have some kind of like you know structure where you're like okay my podcast is on this day at this time I get the episodes up by this day. And if you're a little bit you know, late or early or whatever, that's fine. But have like the original plan for what you're going to yeah. do so that you know how to make those iterations. I think the hardest thing is getting started and getting started with some kind of baseline and then being able to grow it. The hardest thing is figuring out what your baseline is and starting. And then everything else is an edit to it, right? It's all, it's all yes. iteration. Yes. You have to actually put some paint on the canvas. Nobody's buying a blank canvas from you. Now, The network on social media part sort of mixes in with that. And that's very similar to what I just mentioned, like go to LinkedIn and posit a question, go to Reddit, posit a question. But these guys are very, very protective of their time and space. Mm -hmm. You cannot just go blanket promote, especially Reddit. LinkedIn's a little better about it, but Reddit, they will shut you down. So, hey, I'm doing this podcast and I do 90s movies. I have some questions about certain directors. What are your guys' favorite directors or storylines or techniques from the 90s movies that we don't really see today? That's different from saying, hi, I do a podcast. It's called the VHS Club. You guys should come and watch. Band. Yeah. Thank you. Immediately throw yeah. out. So network with intention and purpose. Yeah. And just remember, it's not about you. Here's the honest to goodness truth. If I could get my friend Oprah to send a million people Thursday night to watch the live taping, how many would stick around after? Oh gosh, some super small percent. Yeah. Right? That's how you know when you're ready for that level of people to come through. The biggest curse, and you've all seen it in the era of Yelp, a new restaurant, new food truck, something pops up, everybody goes before they're ready, 
and they can't keep up. And one star, 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 all the way down the chain. And the business mm-hmm. is nipped in the bud. Not butt. Mm-hmm. In the bud. It's not an egg corn. Mm-hmm. It's not egg corn 101. <laughs> if you get that sucker like bad because you invited all these people before you're ready, it's not a good look. So I wish people would stop wishing for that and just really enjoy the process because you're going to miss the whole journey while you're in there. Now, this yeah. is further down the line. But once you're in position where you feel like you got a flow, you probably shouldn't touch this until you're like 20 episodes, maybe 30 episodes deep. Then you run a paid ad. And with that paid ad right now, some of the cheapest in the game are LinkedIn and Instagram. Mm -hmm. And then that might get you some people. But, you know, I have never lit. This is me personally. You guys tell me if it's happened to you. I'm super curious. This is an actual question to the audience. Have you ever seen a podcast ad? Or listen to a podcast ad and went and listened to that podcast. I can say I've done it twice. I know exactly the two that I did. I don't think I ever have. The only things that have caught me for podcasts that have not been word of mouth have been when it's like a pod swap. The hosts of the podcast that I that I'm new to are on a podcast I like, or they're part of the same network or like they've been recommended by another show. So it's like a word of mouth in a different way, right? Like of another show I really like. Yeah, so it's part of the same network. If, so mine doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I even get recommended a lot of podcasts on a regular basis, but I have always, and I'm going to probably hold to this. Like I only ever consume podcasts for enjoyment and to de-stress. I don't listen to podcasts for motivation or to learn new things. Like maybe I should, but I just, I have not made that like a priority in my life. I'd rather learn that stuff in a different way. For me, podcast is like, I'm going for a walk, I'm cleaning, I'm driving, I'm doing something. I just want to like check out and do something I enjoy without anyone expecting anything of me. And so for me, those are the podcasts that I seek out or that I ask for recommendations on or that I take recommendations. If I know it's something I'm going to just like be able to enjoy and spend a bunch of time with, and I'm dedicated to them, but I know that that's my mindset. Whereas I have lots of friends who like only ever listen to podcasts to learn something like they're doing it in the middle of their workday or like as a quick break. And that's a totally different intention. It's important. Yeah. I guess I understand all that. My education podcast versus my comfort podcast is probably 80, 20. <laughs> I listen to smart lists and true crime obsessed, things like that. So I'm exactly the opposite. The majority of mine is my brain has to be learning something. Cause that's just a byproduct of the ADD. I have yeah. to be learning something, I have to be constantly engaged or flexing. It's funny because now that I think about it, the two that I listened to was More Perfect, which is a Supreme Court podcast, which I listened to by listening to one of the other podcasts' podcasts. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then uh, Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History. I oh, listened to that's it. a good one. Yeah. I found out about that when he first started it because he was a guest on like Stephen Dubner's Freakonomics or No Stupid Questions or whatever. Yeah. And then he mentioned he was doing Revisionist History. So, same network. <laughs> so that doesn't yep. count. You're 100% right. I take it back. <laughs> I take it no, back. No, it's it, like that's also good for everyone listening to this conversation to keep in mind. Think about how you consume content and how you found out about it and what kinds of strategies those shows took to get you there. Yeah. Like many of us are our own audience. I'm 100% my own audience for the VHS Club podcast, right? Like so. <laughs> Thinking through like how I discover things and what I listen to and why I listen to and what got me there matters. So yeah, before you spend any money whatsoever, like is that going to pull in the kind of person that you want, or is it make way more sense to spend money and join a tool where you can find like other similar podcasts and do pod swaps or a guest? Like maybe that makes way more sense for your budget spend than running an Instagram ad would. Just really think about that because most people that are stepping into podcasting are doing it as a hobby or a side hustle, or I guess maybe they're doing it as part of a company or as a way to make a bunch of money. But if, if that's what you're doing, be careful. And also if that's what you're doing, then you really need to spend your money wisely, like regardless of what you're using. So I don't know. There's a lot of noise out there. And I'm not sure necessarily that paid media is the best approach for growing an audience, but 100%. I guess it depends on how quickly you want to grow too. And are you able to reach the right people with a paid promotion? I don't think paid promotion really works. And what's kind of funny, you mentioned something kind of quickly. I just want to make sure everybody understands this. One of my people just started getting paid for their podcast. Their podcast is 10 years old. It took them 10 years 
to get monetary out of it. But they loved every second of it. I think people mm-hmm. now, you're hearing the noise about the serials. You're hearing the noise mm-hmm. about the podcast that came out of nowhere that all of a sudden have like five, six million viewers or whatever, because that's what the news focus on, because those are outliers. I'm sorry, Malcolm. <laughs> those are outliers. And people are like, well, I'm going to do that because I want to be like Ashley. Yo, Ashley's are few and far between, right? Ashley Flowers, she has a true crime podcast. And like literally those are few and far between. Those are the exceptions to the rule. Well, those also came out too on the heels of Serial. So like a show like Serial got everyone kind of hooked with this, like we want to solve these true crime cases. Like it made everyone kind of put on their Sherlock Holmes hats and want to jump aboard. And so shows that that's a timing thing. I mean, she's amazing what she does, but that's also a timing thing. She was one of the first to come out after that in a time where there weren't as many as there are now. And so she was able to really build on that momentum and figure out how to do that. I think you're absolutely right. I think too, what we often forget is Smartless is a great example of it, right? Like they're celebrities. They have a platform. The people that are listening to that show are like started off as fans of the people that are doing that show. So, you know, an armchair expert's another great example of this. You know, that's a the huge, huge podcast. Like that podcast got started because people love Kristen Bell and she was the first right. guest on that show. And it is her husband that does that show. And people really want to be able to... Why does everybody do that to poor Dex? It's voyeuristic, right? It's like totally voyeuristic. Like They want to know like what her husband is like. Most people who feel like they know Dax Shepard now feel like they know him because they listened initially because they wanted to be like, why did she marry Dax Shepard? Like there's like... I want to I wanna take that back. It's important I, to know. I knew who Dax Shepard was probably even before Kristen Bell. Uh, but it's right. funny because I everybody- I think you're a small exception to that rule though. It, no, any of us, any of us that grew up watching punk with Ashton yep. Kutcher, like, yo- oh, yeah. Dak was in the business, right? Hit and Run came out before. Oh, oh my yeah. God. See, now I can't even remember her crime thing. Why am I dumb? Veronica Mars. <laughs> oh, yeah, Veronica Mars. Too. I was going to say, I was totally yep. a marshmallow. And yes, you are right. I do feel that people do that to him. Like, why did she marry him? But like, yeah, Dak been in the game and people call him Kristen Bell's husband. Yeah. <laughs> like, and don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I love brutal. that podcast and he's phenomenal at what he does. Yes, and he, he did is. redefine a lot about podcasting. It's important for all of us to remember that a lot of these really, really big podcasts yes. had a platform behind them. Even Serial. Like, Serial like, was produced by NPR, you guys. Like, they are a huge, huge it's what company they do. with, like, what with they an do. existing audience behind them, right? Like, it's not like me doing it with my best friend came out of nowhere and has millions and millions of followers. Like, that's a different story. So it's just important to yeah, rem- remember yeah. that because they're also public. Like you said, everyone writes about them and talks about them. They had a leg up. They work hard and they're good at what they do, but they had a leg up and they had a, an audience they were starting with. It's very different 100%. than some of us starting up with just close friends and a passion for what we're talking about. That's a different trajectory. You may get there. It may take longer. You may luck your way into it, but it's a different story. And well, it's just that a lot of people started out with the whole idea of they're going to make a mint and that gets very disheartening. And I agree with Roy, the American Life production style Mm -hmm. and the help from the American Life team helped Serial too. So like they came through with a whole different shooting match. One of our clients who shall not be named, they started their podcast this year using Ecamm. And I was on one of their first live streams. It was like 9,000 people deep. Yeah, but (laughs) they had a platform. They had a platform, they had fans. But imagine your first stream that's kind of a test and you're not even sure if you're going to want to do this comes up with like 9,000 people. It was psycho. That's absolutely psycho. That's true, different challenges. So like that, it's a good flip side to it. Many of us in this space are actually pretty lucky in that it does take a lot of work and we, we have to start with small numbers, but we're able to have that sandbox experience where, you know, we, we don't have... We don't have a million people watching our first episode and the stakes are so high that if anything goes wrong, we're done. It's a slow process and you're learning every single episode that you do and you're learning your audience and you're getting to know people and you're having these fun experiences and getting these amazing ideas and, you know, and growing step by step. Like, yeah, right. saying, I'm happy with 50 downloads a week. Same, right? Like we're thrilled that people are listening to the show and you're building your audience that way. The fact that anyone spends 
an hour a week or, you know, whatever, watching any of our shows is always like amazing to me. That's time that people could be doing other things, right? That's phenomenal. <laughs> we appreciate you. Know, you know what's you. funny? I had a screw in my tire the other day and I dropped it off at the local tire place because I just did not have the time to raise the truck and stick the little stabby thing in myself, which is easy to do, yeah. by the way, people, but I just didn't have time. So I'm going to drop it off. It's right around the corner. And the guy fixed it. And because it's so easy to do, like he called me like three hours later. He's like, hey, your thing is done. And I walked back over there to get my truck. And he was like, yeah, there's no charge, no biggie. Because it is a very simple process. There's a little rubber strip. You stab the hole. Yeah. And you pull it back out and you burn it. It's in there. I tipped him like 20 bucks. He's oh, no, no, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. I was like, man, it's a Sunday and you could be anywhere but here. But you're yeah. here. And because you're here, my truck is good. <laughs> so, yeah. you know what I mean? And so like, hey, now I can go get dinner without worrying about blowing the tire on the middle of the freeway. Because I agree with you. You could be anywhere. And it's funny because we just clo- we kind of covered using your network and your guest network in that last yep. bit of the conversation. It's exactly the exact same thing. But again, I'll mention it over and over again, people. You may think you want all these people. Trust me, if they all popped up out of nowhere and I've seen it happen, it's not better. It might be worse because if you present the you're not your best offering that first offering no one's coming back so you could have you know nine thousand people on your stream that first day and no one ever returns because you're not quite ready now rob mentioned something kind of funny based off of what we just said there's no excuse for joe rogan and I, I, i'll take that back I, when i first know joe rogan is from the the game on nbc where you made people eat bugs and like let rats crawl in them or whatever right fear factor <laughs> Fear factor. Back then, it's really funny how this works. He had a vibe that was like, "Uh, that's kind of weird. Like, I don't don't know. I don't really like this guy. But as I went to go find out who he was, and I found out like he's a deep practitioner of the martial arts at that time. I'm heavy into my martial arts game. By the way, congratulations. Karen just tested for her black belt. Yay! Saturday and Sunday. And she won't know for a while, but the sensei told me she kicked ass. (laughs) So what happened was, When he decided to get into the whole podcasting game, the regular general population doesn't know him from the martial arts community. The martial arts community, we already knew him. So a lot of people trusted in that. What he turned into right now, there is no excuse for that. That's a whole different thing. I think money and power went to his head. But initially, he was doing good. And that's another reason why you might not want to get so successful that you start getting pulled in different directions because it can affect you in ways that's not healthy for you or anybody yeah. else for that matter. Uh, I don't think his intention was to be, get a platform to become the world's model student for a-hole mm-hmm. just because I know the person he was prior to all of this. Now, mm-hmm. you know what they say, like oh, the true person comes out under pressure and maybe it was always hiding in there. So yeah, it's not like he's an overnight success star. That was my, the point of that statement is- yeah. He has been in a game, especially in the martial arts circuit, for a long time. And I used to do advertisements for Kung Fu Magazine. I used to be a designer <laughs> for that magazine. So been, been, in this, been in that game for like a hot minute. It also explains my uh, temperament. <laughs> Uh, we did it. There's podcast, cool. there's podcast promotion. It. Maybe it was preachier than we initially planned, but I think the important thing to remember is the warrior cry throughout this episode is there is no magic way to do this. It is hard work. It is testing. It is trying things and failing. It's getting a little bit better every single week. It's not being so hard on yourself. It's finding the people. Keep continuing to find the people, loving them when they show up, appreciating them when they show up asking them to bring more people like them and continuing to find the people. That's how anyone wins at any of this is finding the right people and making them feel special. So um, you've got this. I like to think of what I do in the podcasting space, including this podcast or just even some of our regular streams. I like to think of it as building bridges between minds with my content. I'm giving what's inside of Rob's head the ability to crisscross and meet Roy somewhere in the middle and then mm-hmm. they find out that they have a whole bunch of things in common. Roy is this IT guy and he does this thing. Rob's kind of into the IT space and they both have a love for, I don't know, Kansas City barbecue or something. Or like Rob, the <laughs> other Rob, two B's Rob, bumps into Kevin, find out they're both hardcore Disney enthusiasts and mm-hmm. find out that they'd be ashamed of us that we spent a week next to Disney and did not step one foot in the Disney. 
All right. Well, let's wrap on. We've had yes. a couple of questions about you repeating your vitamin and painkillers quote. So we'll wrap on that. And then we'll go to questions. It's not really a quote. It's something I live by. I actually, I learned it from Ray Edwards. I'm not sure where he <laughs> learned it from. Sorry, what the Rob. The exact made me, quote was, yeah. Um, Rob made me laugh because Rob said, shame. Whenever you're creating anything for anybody, for any reason, there's two things that basically work. Everything else is not going to work. It either has to be a vitamin or a painkiller. And yep. a vitamin means it makes someone's life better. Like it's going to grow their yoga practice or grow their basketball mm-hmm. knowledge or grow their cooking skills or whatever. Those are vitamins. Painkillers, you just solve the problem. Every the time problems. I do a free throw, I shoot to the left. Cool. Put one foot in the back of the other, bend your knees a little bit, point your elbow at the target, spin, release. You'll be rocking them like Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. I'm about to do first of 50 baskets with Eden next time we link up. Or like I made this thing and for some reason I just can't get that same flavor when I make my chili. Like what is it about my chili that's not getting what I want? Yo, put in a quarter cup of mayonnaise. It's a secret sauce nobody knows about. You twirl a little mayonnaise in your chili. Game changer. Absolute game changer, mm-hmm. right? Or actually a tablespoon of peanut butter. Sounds strange, but it totally works. It's something about the umami in there. So those are painkillers, right? Solving a problem is a painkiller. Giving them something that just makes them feel better or can help them grow in their particular craft situation, those are vitamins. If you're delivering those two things, you're perfectly fine. If you're delivering little hits of dopamine, it burns out. It goes away. That doesn't really work. Mm -hmm. It's not sustainable. It's cute for like a hot second, but it's not. This is really strange jump, but I'm going to give you a strange doc jump. I do this. The first time you hear like a little three-year-old or four-year-old swear, it's hilarious. When they start doing it all the time, you like, let me talk to the It's concerning. Yeah, exactly. And trust me, I am a huge practitioner of the fruity language, but I just know how other people will feel about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't really care what they think, but it is a societal grease. You know, there's certain things that just doesn't match. And a little kid walking up to his mom in the grocery store when she says, hey, can I get this cereal? And mom is like, no. And he's like, F-U-B. We're like, yeah. that's concerning. But yeah. when the kid just repeats her dad and says something stupid, like it's funny. Anyway, you get it. That's the point. <laughs> there it is. No dopamine hits. All right, gang. This and every episode is brought to you by Descript. Descript is our favorite app to get these things done. We basically record it. We press a button. The ecamm that says edit and Descript. It will create a text document that you can edit on the fly. And it makes creating so much handier. If you haven't done so already, make sure you check out Descript. And Katie was talking to them right before the show. Yeah, <laughs> no. it was. Now, if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, or you want to make sure that you're positively subscribed to the Flow podcast, I think the new terminology is following. You want to go and check out flow.ecam.com. Once again, that's F-L-O-W.E-C-A-M-M.com, and you can be part of the Flow Riders. That's it. We did it. We nailed Woo! it. I appreciate as usual, everyone. I love in the live chat, everyone always sends either questions or comments through, but it often like reminds us of things that we missed or like it's a really great point and we're able to bring it into the show. It's one of the biggest, I mean, maybe second biggest benefits of having a live chat. The first is just community, but the second is just like having like a good support system to either like live fact check you or remind you about something that you know you were going to miss. Or So we appreciate all of you, <laughs> oh all of you live God. flow riders. I'm I'm also laughing at because I was saying about Roy. Roy says, yeah. "Hi Rob, I do like KC barbecue along with Memphis barbecue <laughs> and Carolina barbecue. Totally forgot Texas and Hawaiian barbecue, by the way." Uh, and he goes, "I'm in tech, right?" And then so Rob said, Yo, "Did we just become friends?" Minus the Carolina vinegar, vinegar is not my thing. <laughs> All right, Rob, I'm just taking See, you off my list. We're making friends. We're Y'all making like friends. Carolina too. I like uh, Carolina a lot. You know, yeah. it's that it's that whole hog, man. Some of my whole hog. And just be pig me like this, and then they just throw like a bucket of sauce on. Yeah, come on, son. All right, Rob, we'll we'll fix that. Uh, well, now <laughs> I'm starving as usual. I just we just did the podcast all through lunch. I gotta go. I gotta go, you guys. I gotta oh, eat. This is so good. This is so good. All right, people. Anyway, we're gonna go on a food tour. All right, is there barbecue spots in Amesbury? I don't think I've seen one. Uh, not right in Amesbury, but in a couple of the towns surrounding. 
all right, we can drive by. We'll just go to David Hunt's yeah, house. Yeah, we'll figure all it right, out. All right, cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gang, we'll see you later. Flow Riders, out. Bye, everyone. Calling all campers, Leslie Samuel here, your camp director, back again to get you pumped up for something awesome. It's that time again. It's time for Creator Camp 2024. We took everything you loved from last year and stepped it up a notch. Yet we're back and better and man oh man, we're excited to have you join us. Now you may be asking, what's in store for this year's Creator Camp? Well, let me paint a picture for you. Imagine an epic kickoff party where new friendships spark and old ones rekindle. Imagine rubbing shoulders with not just the awesome workshop leaders, but also the amazing Ecamm team. Imagine having interactive, hands-on sessions where industry leaders share insights in fields that you're passionate about. Well, you just imagine Creator Camp 2024. Reconnect with the Ecamm fam, and of course, meals and beverages are all a part of your journey with us. Expect exciting activities and local excursions. What is it gonna be this time? Wine tasting, scavenger hunt, an evening of stargazing? <laughs> I'm not telling, at least not yet. This year's Creator Camp isn't just an event, it's an adventure. The Ecamm fam is taking over Amesbury, Massachusetts again, and trust me, you wanna be right there in the middle of the magic. So pack up your essentials, your laptop, your camera, and of course your energy, and gear up for an unforgettable escapade at Creator Camp 2024. We can't wait to see all your smiling faces back together again. We'll see you at Creator Camp. Let's do this.